Hi everyone, welcome to That Niku Mum, a podcast sharing the stories from New Zealand parents who have had babies in neonatal units across the country. Today we are talking to Sam, who had really sudden uh, severe preeclampsia at 31 weeks um, and delivered her daughter Nellie just before 32 weeks. Um, Sam was really, really unwell and literally nearly died. So she had that to kind of deal with as well as uh, Niku. And then on top of all of that, it was just before lockdown and during lockdown um, in 2020. So she was healing from nearly dying, healing from major surgery. She was in Niku trying to look after her daughter completely alone because Wellington Niku had decided that only one parent was allowed to be there. So she <laughs> was really in a in this situation. Um, but Nellie is now three and a half. Um, Sam and I are quite good friends. It actually turned out that we both did an article for Stuff when we were in NICU about being in NICU during lockdown. And we didn't learn until probably 2021 that the other person in the article was each other. <laughs> so it's a bit quirky, quirky little fact about Sam and I. Um, but yes, she's very um, open about her story and the struggles that she faced in Niku and Skaboo with Nelly and being apart from her partner, Chris, um, and how she didn't feel like she could bond with her baby at first, as a lot of us do um, struggle with, with Niku. So I'll let Sam introduce herself and tell her story and, yeah, get into it. Yeah, sure. So I'm Sam and um, I've got my three and a half year old daughter, Nellie. You can find us over at um, Mama and Nellie. And um, we, she was born at 31.5. Um, so we spent, yeah, quite a while in Niku and Skaboo. Mm-hmm. Um, why was she born early? Uh, so um, it's quite funny because I had the easiest pregnancy. Like I didn't have any food aversions, any sickness, nothing. I even went to my doctor and was like, is there something wrong with me? Because I am not having any morning sickness or anything. And she's like, no, you're just lucky. And I was hiking. I was really fit. Um, And then suddenly one day I just started to like, my feet started swelling up and I was like, oh, this is weird. Um, And then they got really swollen and I was at work. And um, my manager was like, you need to go to the hospital and I was like no 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 it's fine anyway I went and saw my midwife because she was working from the hospital Mm. and um she took my blood pressure and looked at my ankles and then she was like you're not leaving and I was like what she was like no you're not you're not leaving you need to get your partner to pack some bags because we're admitting you to the hospital which was the strangest thing because as I said I had the easiest pregnancy so it just came on all of a sudden Literally, um, just all of a sudden, my BP was through the roof. Turned out I had preeclampsia. Um, How far along were you at this point? I would have been probably 31 because I was only in hospital four days before they had to get her out. They were like, we'll try and get you to 32. We'll try and get you to 33. That never happened. (laughs) Um, 
yeah so it was it was just crazy and I was like wow okay so I rang my manager I was like well I'm not coming back to work sorry mm-hmm. um <laughs> this is your fault for telling me to go to the hospital <laughs> yeah yeah but my feet were massive like I've, that was so filled with fluid yeah um and yeah so I was admitted to the hospital which I didn't want to do because I hate hospitals I've had a lot of time in hospitals before and so I was like trying to get them to be like you don't have to stay and they were like no you you really have to oh. and then they ended up letting me out on day leave because I screamed so much and my midwife advocated for me oh. <laughs> I was a bit feral I think um and then four days later the main doctor who was looking after my case came in and he's like your blood tests from today aren't good um oh your organs are shutting down. We need to go now. And then he looked over at my side table and he's like, how much of your breakfast have you eaten? And I was like, all of it. And he was like, fuck. Like he actually swore. And he's like, right, no more food. Four o'clock. Um, we need to get this baby out now. Your organs are shutting down. And I was just like, what? Was Chris still with you? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, but at this point, like I felt kind of like fine. Yeah. I was just like, well, this is weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then 14... That afternoon, she was born via emergency C-section. So it was literally four o'clock. They wheeled you in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're usually not so punctual. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I ended up spending like two and a half hours in theatre, which yeah. terrified my family because Chris's parents were down and my mum was down and they said, oh, it'll take 20 minutes and she'll be out. Yeah. Um, that didn't happen. Um, the epidural was probably the worst experience I've ever had in my life. And I know this isn't for everybody and this isn't to scare anybody if you are going to need to have an epidural. Um, no, my but they kept putting it both times. Oh, good. <laughs> and I probably will have another one. Um, like when I, if I have another child, hopefully, yeah. I would probably opt for an epidural. But they kept putting it in the wrong place and it, I'd have shooting pain down my leg and my midwife was there because she – um, was working at the hospital as well. So I'm really lucky that she was able to attend. Yeah. There was a million and one people in the room and they were trying to get this epidural in and they had to go really fast. And um, eventually they got it in and it's probably just the worst pain I've ever felt. And they also had to stick like a needle in like this really big vein in my hand, mm. um, which hurt like a lot so I was screaming and then I think they ended up drugging me some more because I don't remember much but then Chris hit the floor yeah he did <laughs> so that was he did yeah he did um but then they finally got all that done got Nelly out and I'm really happy because my midwife advocated for me she was just she's an, a literal angel yeah. um I got to have my delayed cord, cord clamping and Amazing. I got to have skin on skin um not straight away but they like checked her out quickly and then they brought her over to me um and they were like we can do the delayed cord clamping because she's she was fine yeah. <laughs> like it was me that they were worried about so had you really had any um scans or anything like while you were in that hospital admission had they checked on Nelly at all yeah, they had. She did have a little bit of IUGR, um, yeah. restricted growth, um, but that was sort of to be expected with, you know, my body trying to mm. push the placenta out. It's so strange to me that your body will literally make an entire organ. And then, and then it's then like, I don't want know this. What? I don't, <laughs> I want, don't it. want it. I don't want it. I'm going to kill you to get it out because that's literally <laughs> what preeclampsia is. Yeah. 
And no, it was just, it was so fast. And I think that's what like made it even like more traumatizing as well, because you're just not yeah. expecting it. There was no warning signs. There was nothing. It was just, you're being admitted four days later. Here's your baby. Yeah. No, was no time to process, really. No. And then um, what made it even worse is that afterwards, I was still really, really sick. Like, I legitimately mm. almost died. I was in one-on-one ICU care for mm. the next four days, I think. I was so drugged up. I had no idea what day of the week it was. Mm. So I didn't really see Nellie. I remember screaming for them to take me to see her the next day but they were like you can't but someone did wheel me down there so straight after um, your c-section she obviously yeah. was taken to NICU, but you didn't get to yeah. see her between then and being in icu yeah pretty much um chris went with her and then my mum got to see her his parents got to see her everyone got to see her but me mm. um <laughs> and then yeah they just i had severe pneumonia from all the fluid build up my blood pressure was through the roof Oh my God. Um, my oxygen levels kept going right down and they were just like, I was on hourly monitoring. Monitoring, mm. It was crazy, but obviously they got the medication balance all fixed up. And then um, a few days later, I was able to sort of like go and see her. And it was, it was really strange. And I think this is something that's not talked about enough is that I didn't feel a bond to her when yeah. I first saw her. Um, it had been this whirlwind of being admitted, here's your baby, you almost died. And then Mm. I saw this little tiny creature in the incubator and I was just like, what? Mm. Like, Like, is that mine? Yeah. Like, I loved her because I was like, this is my daughter and I've carried her for seven months. But I didn't really have a bond with her. It took me a while to build that bond and it's, it's even hard to do that in NICU as you know because you don't feel like it's your baby like the nurse doing everything they tell you what you can do when you can do it did Chris have a bond with her because obviously he went with her straight after birth did he find it your partner Chris did he find it difficult to bond no he didn't at all um yeah no he bonded with her straight away he found it really easy Mm -hmm. um and yeah he stayed with her he didn't just nearly die so yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Although he did just nearly lose me. He had a break. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and the nurses were having to comfort. It was really, it was terrifying. Um, I was going to say, it must be super traumatic for him to first of all watch you go through all of that and then also be split between obviously you and the ICU and Nelly and the NICU. Like, yeah. Who yeah, does he no. stay with, you know? It was, it was a really, really hard time for him, but he's just amazing. He was my absolute rock through the entire thing and then um and then it got even worse because we hit um lockdown Mm. (laughs) level four lockdown I remember Mm. sitting around the table with some other NICU mamas and we were listening we were waiting for the announcement and they announced that we were going into lockdown and our particular unit NICU in Wellington um said that only one parent first of all it was only one parent at a time and then a couple of days later they cut it down to one parent and only one parent yeah. For most people, that was the milk giving parent. Yeah. Um, because you need to <laughs> you need to be able to give milk. So we um, had we had one parent at a time in Waikato. Yeah. So at first we were the same. It was just one at a time. But then we had it like so I could go on Monday and Jordan could go on Tuesday. But you couldn't even switch out day to day. 
no, no, we couldn't do that. It was just completely like, no, one parent and that one parent has to be, that's the delegation. I understand it, you know, in hindsight, I understand it, but at the time, it's so unfair. Like, it's like we sleep in the same bed child as yours and exactly you're going home to each other yeah yeah no he was really really mad at that he tried to reason with the nurses and um everything but like obviously that was their rule and they can't make one exception and then not for everybody else but yeah like I do I understand they wanted to keep everybody unsafe this was at the point when nobody knew really what COVID was yeah. going to do they started building a covid ward like around us as well um in preparation for um pregnant people that had like covid and then had covid babies and it was yeah. legitimately so terrifying like i know did you, you have anyone well. did you have anyone in your unit that had covid or suspected no. to have covid no we didn't at all um so that was really really good because again it was like terrifying with these tiny tiny babies mm. Mm. that have no immune system but yeah, no, we were we were lucky we didn't have that. But Chris didn't end up being able to see Nelly for about five weeks, I think. Oh my god! Um, we eventually got transferred to Skaboo because they were too busy, and they were like, you know, Nelly's kind of fine. Is it in the same hospital? Um, no, it's in Lower Hart, which oh, was yeah. annoying, but. Yeah, I mean, so with Nellie, when she was born, she was she was mostly fine. She was just small, um, but she did need a lot of oxygen. And she was on oxygen right up until, like, the day before that we left. We'd actually been trained on oxygen to take her home because they thought she was going to have to go home on oxygen. And our story with the oxygen is kind of a little bit opposite to yours. Like, you were advocating for them to, you know, try the next level down. Like, can we try this? They kept yeah. trying with Nelly when she wasn't ready. And then she kept having like Brady's and DSAT. Yeah. And I was like, can we stop doing this? Can you just leave her on like the OptiFlow or the CPAP or whatever she was on? She was on CPAP for probably four or five weeks, actually. Wow. Really? Um, yeah. Ages. Um, and then when she went down to the OptiFlow, um, yeah, they just kept messing with her settings and she just wasn't ready. And I'm like, this can cause like irreversible damage to her little lungs. Like you're pushing her and she's not ready. But they're like, oh, you know, well, we are busy and we have to, you know, try and get babies out. And I'm like, yeah, that's just awful. So they moved us to Skaboo and that in itself was a nightmare because they turned up with like this rocket ship looking thing to like transport her in this incubator the ambulance people turned up late and she had been due for a fee but the plan was to transport her and then feed her once we got there but because she was late they were late she was due for a feed and so Mm. she started screaming because she was so hungry and people are like oh we have to go now she'll be fine and I was like absolutely not Mm. um I had a bit of a breakdown um at them and I was like no I'm gonna feed her now because she's starving She's yeah. a tiny little baby. And they're like, well, we need to go because we're going to be late. And I'm like, you're already well, You're late. the one that made us late. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember that being, like, really embarrassing because I made a really big show and I mm. just got so upset because I was like, my baby is screaming because she's hungry mm. and we're going to do that that now. But, um, yeah, Skaboo was so different. Yeah, from NICU. I went from NICU where it was like the nurses did everything for you and they maybe started leading me doing one or two feeds. Mm. And then I got to Skaboo and they were like, you do it. 
How old was she at that point when you got moved to Skibu? Um, let me have a look. It was day 46, so a month, like a month and a half. Oh, yeah. Um, I have like a diary of like every single day um, yeah. that says like, you know, what oxygen level she was on, what we were doing, if she was on CPAP and um that must be so surreal we, to look back at it now like you see Nellie in front of you as a three and a half year old and you look back yeah. at it to, she was My mind one point like, something kilos and on oxygen yeah. she was born at 1.5 kilos um and we when she left she was 2.9 she was still tiny she was still on yeah. thing. um and she remained tiny for like ages and ages but I mean she's yeah she's three and a half now she's in size four to five clothing um <laughs> there's yeah there's literally nothing wrong with her you mean that they say they have chronic lung disease yeah. um but I, I haven't really noticed anything um in her that would mean that she's um not just the same as the other kids which yeah. is really good but so you moved to you moved to Skibu and all of a sudden you yeah. had to do everything. Yeah, but was Chris allowed I to be in there with you at it. that point? No, he didn't get to see her until we went home. Because oh um, I still had the same roles. It was just yeah. one parent and me being the milk giving parent and the one that was on leave. Mm-hmm. Um, it was me. So you know the whole driving up there first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. going home late in the evenings, and. Um, by this point as well, I had pretty bad oversupply because in NICU, they were like, pump more, pump more, pump more. You yeah. need to pump more. And I was producing so much milk that I didn't know what to do with it. And they'd started trying me on breastfeeds, but because she was so little and I had such a huge oversupply, she was having a really hard time swallowing and like getting all of that milk. It would just like yeah. go straight to the back of her throat. And so she'd you know, have a DSAT or a Brady and yeah. um, would have to stop that. So when I got to Skibu, they started trying it more. We had nipple shields and stuff, but they pushed for breastfeeding so hard. It was just um, like I wanted to breastfeed. but yeah. I was really happy that I was producing milk. I had wanted to breastfeed, but this tiny little baby was not able to do it. Yeah. So I started bringing in some like Dr. Brown's like preemie bottles and she did so much better with them. So I was like, right, well, I can just express and feed her a bottle. Did they not but, give you bottles? No, no, they, they didn't, didn't want you to bottle feed. Oh my God. That I found, yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah. I really had to fight for it to the point where they were like, oh, we're not going to let you go home until like breastfeeding is established. And I was like, no. <laughs> I don't understand how that's allowed. You know, yeah. like I know from my experience, obviously I had I had twins, but one of my friends that I was in the unit with, she just didn't have any milk. She was the yeah. same. She had preeclampsia. Her baby came at 30 weeks. Um, yeah, she, her milk just never came in because she obviously had quite oh, a traumatic God. birth. And yeah. they were just like, okay, here's some formula. Here's some bottles. We had the that's same. That's how it should be. Yeah, we were the same. Like I obviously didn't have enough for both of them because I couldn't pump well. And they were like, yeah. okay, we just need you to, it was like the first night I met them, they were like, you just need mm-hmm. to sign this form. <laughs> just yeah. say that they're allowed formula. <laughs> and I was like, righto, sign away. Oh, my God. But it yeah. should be like a how, choice I don't that like, is offered. Yeah, I don't understand how it's so different across different hospitals and different units that one is like, yep, you can feed however you want, and the other one's like, no. 
So um, apparently they have to have like a certain percentage of breastfeeding parents leaving the unit to get like really? funding for like the lactation consultants. Um, so that's why they try so hard to keep those those figures up. And no, I really had to fight them with because they kept wanting me to try the breastfeeding and it was yeah. kind of working, it kind of wasn't. And I was like, it was at the point where Nellie was pretty much ready to go home. They were keep mm-hmm. saying, like, oh, she's fine, you can go home on oxygen. And but we need to sort out the breastfeeding. And I was like, no, I am going to bottle feed my child now. That is the choice mm. that I have made. I am expressing and she is doing really well on bottles. I was yeah. also trained in tube feeding in case she needed to go home on that as well, which we were doing some top ups. But I was like, no, we are not doing this anymore. So I'm how come, how come they're okay with you going home with the NG tube in, but they're not okay with you going home on bottles? Yeah, no, it was literally, it was so insane. It just, oh, they kept trying to um, delay us going home as well for that. But then I remember when we had to room in, obviously Chris wasn't allowed to oh. be there. Um, and they made me feel like I wouldn't know what to do with my baby because I really didn't want a room in. I didn't feel comfortable staying there I wanted to be at home with Chris and my mum was at home as well she was going to be with us I didn't want to room in um but I had to and so I stayed there for a night and they were still forcing me to breastfeed and there was no nurse on that night who knew anything about breastfeeding they couldn't help me and that was the point where I decided no I'm doing the bottles and like this is the end of it I was like this isn't anything like what it would be like at home I don't have the support here I'm in a room alone with this tiny baby. If I was at home, I'd have my partner and my mum and, like, I'd be in a safe environment. And I told them that I was not staying any more nights because they Mm -hmm. think they wanted you to do three. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, Um, We're going to go home. And they were like, no, you can't do that. She has an eye test book for Wednesday. And I said, we will come back for the eye test. And they were like, no, you can't do that. And so I noticed that the lady next to me, her little son, um, got an eye test later on in the day and so I said to the lady hi hello do you have time to do Nelly and she did um so she did Nelly's eye test <laughs> and then the doctor came around and he looked at me and he was like how did you get that done I was like I just asked and he was like right well I guess we have to discharge you now and I was like yes I guess you do <laughs> um so we discharged ourselves basically because I was like I'm not staying here anymore this is ridiculous yeah um they took the tu- she took the tube out herself, herself actually and they were like oh you can probably leave it out now because she's doing doing okay um and we went home but it was so hard to have to keep advocating for that I was like we can go home now we do not need to be here anymore this is traumatic I just want to be at home yeah it's like they don't trust that you know what you're doing Literally, they made us do like parenting courses yeah. and like first aid courses and stuff. They don't do that with a term baby, do they? Exactly. So how come it's like when I had Angus, they hardly even asked about him when they discharged me. Mm. It was like he was an afterthought. The doctor came over and was like, so are you all right? Like have you um, had your career out and you've been up and moving? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm all yeah. good. And he was like, cool. I'll go get your discharge papers. And then he like started walking off and he came back and he was like, oh, um, any questions about the baby? And I was like, oh, my God. And he was like, oh, okay. And that was that. Like, they didn't look at him. Whereas in Nico, I, like, and I understand it's because they're little and they're, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Vulnerable. <sighs> Vulnerable, yes. Yeah. But, like, 
we know what we're doing at this point, you know? Yeah. This our baby and how come I can take my term baby home at the yeah. same gestation as my prem baby who's now six weeks old, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. And like I had been doing everything for her for the last few weeks, literally everything. The nurses were not doing anything unless I was not there like mm-hmm. overnight. I did every single thing for her. I knew my baby. I knew everything I needed to do. Um, but yeah, they still make you feel like you don't know what you're doing. And that's why they kept trying to not just charge us. He's like, oh, I don't think you're ready. Like you haven't been alone with her overnight before. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so how many weeks was she when you finally got home? Um, she was just before her due date, um, which was going to be, she was born in February and then uh, she was meant to be born in April. I mm-hmm. think she would have been 38 weeks, I believe. Yeah. Oh yeah. So quite decent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and you, like yeah. obviously you had been quite unwell. Were you fine at that mm-hmm. point as well? I was on medication for my blood pressure, which I had to remain on for a while. Um, but yeah. apart from that, I was fine. I got an um, infection in my C-section area, which my midwife said was really common because it's so hot in the units and you're just like yeah. sitting down and it's just like rubbing together and sweating. So gross. Um, but apart from that, like... No, I was I was completely fine afterwards, and they say it's not likely to happen again. Um, yeah. And but if I do want to have another baby, which I do, um, I would just have to go and speak to my hospital doctor, and he would put me on like aspirin and things like that, and they would just yeah. do scans from the beginning. So, do you think you'd have a um, VBAC, or you'd just go for another elective, or not I, another elective? But. Originally, I had said I wanted to go for an elective, but I've changed my mind, and I think I would like to try for a VBAC. the The main reason that I'd wanted an elective is because it's so hard when you have a birth plan, and then that choice is just ripped away from you. Yeah, and like I hadn't wanted a C. Nobody wants a C section, really. I mean, I guess some people do, but yeah. like it's it's major surgery, so that wasn't mm. my ideal first option. Unless it was, you know, to save me or the baby, which it was. But mm. I think I would try for a VBAC. And they, they did say at the time when I asked them that that should be that should be an option. Um, but who knows? Well, hopefully um, when you do end up having number two or yeah. any other babies, uh, you will avoid nearly dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's something that's still like hits me sometimes like I think about it and I think about all the NICU experience but then I think about oh no I actually I really did almost die yeah like and, it's pretty um, wild yeah Chris was like you, you were so drugged up and out of it but you should have seen like the the doctors and nurses running around when my oxygen was just like dropping and it was crazy it was so crazy I'm glad that you're doing all right and that Nellie is Nellie <laughs> she's just yeah she's obviously just so perfect and she's not even like that sick because they did say that maybe she would be sicker than a regular child but yeah she hasn't been i mean you've you've quite avoided it eh? like yeah until she started in um a daycare center she's been really really lucky actually yeah she has no she's been really really good yeah that's good right well thank you for sharing your story 
That's all right. Thank you so much for having me. I have loved listening to the first three um, and I can't wait to listen to the rest of them. So, yeah, that was Sam's story. Um, She obviously, as you heard, is doing really well now and Nellie is doing amazing and they avoided, the both of them avoided um, any long-term issues from from the birth and from Niku. So that's amazing. And, um, yeah, hopefully Sam will be able to avoid pre again when she goes on to have another baby. Um, it's good to know that if anyone else is listening, it's good to know that it's not likely to get preeclampsia again. Um, it's quite reassuring to hear that. And there's a lot of things they can do medication-wise when you do get pregnant again to to kind of avoid getting super unwell again. So that's good to know. Um, but yes, thank you so much, Sam, for sharing your story once again. Um, I really enjoyed uh, talking talking to Sam today. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening and we will chat again soon. Bye.